October 8th, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 18. You wives must submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. And you husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. You children must always obey your parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. You slaves must obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Obey them willingly because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites who can get away with evil. You slave owners must be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Don't forget to pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to preach about His secret plan, that Christ is also for you Gentiles. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not Christians, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and effective, so that you will have the right answer for everyone. Tychicus, a much-loved brother, will tell you how I am getting along. He is a faithful helper who serves the Lord with me. I have sent him on this special trip to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and much-loved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will give you all the latest news. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justus, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish Christians among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been! Epaphras, from your city, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident of the whole will of God. I can assure you that he has agonized for you, and also for the Christians in Laodicea and Heropolis. Dear Dr. Luke sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our Christian brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and those who meet in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the work the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May the grace of God be with you. Jeremiah 9, where God is speaking through Jeremiah, and he says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me.
Here's what God is saying. He says, imagine being uh, the consensus smartest person on earth. Every university, every government wants you to work for them. Okay. Or imagine being consensus the greatest athlete on the earth. Or imagine being the richest person in the world, which today would really take a lot, by the way. I don't know what, 100 billion or something like that. So imagine that you had uh, achieved one of the, the, you know, something like that. Would that be satisfying? Would it feel good? Yeah, it would really feel good. It would be incredibly satisfying. And yet God has, says, and yet that is nothing compared with the depth of fulfillment and the sustained richness of knowing me. So, there, so it's possible. Okay, well then how is it possible? How does it happen? How does somebody know God? Psalm 34, verse 8. The psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What is he asking the listeners to do? Is he, trying to, is he saying, be convinced that the Lord is good? Is he saying, I know you guys don't believe that God's good, but, but I want to argue that he is good. No, he's not saying, he's assuming, his listeners know that that's the doctrine, God is good. He says, I don't want you to just know God is good or just believe God is good. I want you to taste and see. There are some things that have become more real to your heart just the way that the greatness of the Grand Canyon becomes more real when you actually see it. So there's a way in which the heart has a sense as well. And see, when you have actually experienced God's love and you know it personally, it puts a sweetness into the bottom of your cup, the bottom of your heart. that other, other problems and difficulties can't, the bitterness just can't get down there. It, it can't go all the way to the bottom. I've already shown you, you can know all kinds of things about the Bible. You can have Bible knowledge, you can, you know, you can study the Bible stories, you can know all about the Bible. You know a lot about the Bible without knowing God, but you can't know God without knowing the Bible. Why? Because where do you hear the words of Jesus? Where do you see the beauty of Jesus? Where do you see the unearthly beauty of Jesus? Where does that draw you in? Only on the pages of the Bible. Listen, I think an awful lot of us would have to say that there is a spot at the very center and that it takes just to be told God loves you or just to try to strengthen your life, or just even go to counseling, or just um, you know try to try hard to be a better person, does not reach the spot. But what will melt that spot? A deep understanding that, of God's unconditional love in Jesus Christ that you experience bit by bit by bit, and it starts to finally change. And nothing else will reach that spot. What's going to change that? What's going to reach that spot, that hardness of heart? Only a sustained prayer life with a repeated experience of God's love over the years 
only seeing Jesus and through seeing Jesus, really knowing God. So the more you know God, the more you study your prayer life, the more you actually experience God in your prayer life, the more you have deep long-term changes, the spot that nothing else can touch gets touched. Psalm 78, verses 56 through 72. Yet though he, God, did all this for them, the Israelites, they continued to test his patience. They rebelled against the Most High and refused to follow his decrees. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents had been. They were as useless as a crooked bow. They made God angry by building altars to other gods. They made him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry, and he rejected Israel completely. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured. He surrendered his glory into enemy hands. He gave his people over to be butchered by the sword, because he was so angry with his own people, his special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered, and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Then the Lord rose up, as though waking from sleep. Like a mighty man aroused from a drunken stupor, he routed his enemies and sent them to eternal shame. But he rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. There he built his towering sanctuary, as solid and enduring as the earth itself. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs, and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people Israel. He cared for them with a true heart, and led them with skillful hands. Proverbs 24, verses 28 and 29. Do not testify spitefully against innocent neighbors. Don't lie about them. And don't say, Now I can pay them back for all their meanness to me. I'll get even. Psalm 78, verses 